Hi, welcome to the Interactive Investor Crypto Podcast. My name is Gary McFarlane, the Cryptocurrency Analyst at Interactive Investor. And joining me today is Danny Masters from CoinShares. Could you just tell uh, the interactive audience about CoinShares? Yes, Gary, thank you very much for uh, having me here. CoinShares aspires to being a digital investment bank. And um, in as an, an, an analog to what one might be more familiar with in the legacy financial world, we start with a product vertical, uh, and that product vertical has a number of uh, areas which uh, might be familiar. So first and foremost are exchange traded notes um, that are traded out of Scandinavia, um, Bitcoin, XRP, Litecoin, um, and uh, Ethereum are very well known and they form the bulk of our 700 million or so in assets. Um, but we also have two private strategies, uh, Conscious Fund 1 Conscious Fund 2, which are a token fund and a venture fund, respectively. Uh, we have uh, an indexation product in the pipeline, working in conjunction with Imperial College here in London, mm -hmm. bringing benchmark, uh, EU benchmark regulated crypto indices to uh, a new class of institutional investor. And we have our very exciting new um, uh, gold token product, DGLD. Uh, so that is the main product vertical. To support that vertical, we are very active traders. Uh, we do probably about a billion and a quarter a year in trading uh, to support our product suite, our clients, and from a proprietary perspective. Uh, we offer custody solutions. That's being built out over time. Um, we announced in May of 2018 our venture with Nomura and Ledger to provide institutional custody. That has now been approved uh, by our home regulator in Jersey and has a custody license and will be rolling out over time uh, to support the uh, CoinShares brand. Mm -hmm. And we have a very strong research vertical as well where we uh, produce periodic and bespoke research uh, to support products and clients. Great. Um, could you tell us a little bit more about your gold product, which is uh, a new product, I understand, it's launched in October? Yes, our network DGLD, uh, Digital Gold. Um, so that has the potential to revolutionize uh, the gold dealing space. Is that putting it a bit too high? Oops. No, I don't think it's putting it too high at all. And I think what it, what it shows is the power of distributed ledgers when they are used not just for the native coins such as Bitcoin and Ethereum, but when they're used as transportation mechanism or infrastructure uh, for uh, exchanging and transferring and holding other assets which are linked to those uh, digital tokens. So it is a first in class um, of what I believe will be a widespread digitization across multiple asset classes going forward. Um, DGLD rests on three pillars. Uh, the first pillar is we ins we were insistent because we have a vision and a view to scale DGLD to a multi-billion dollar asset that the regulatory framework would be bulletproof. And therefore, we went to, I think, what is the most sophisticated and uh, comprehensive regulatory uh, body at the moment, which is the Swiss regulator at Finmar. I think they are ahead of the game, really, in terms of bringing sensible regulation to the market. And we established our regulatory status there as a what's called a Category 5 payment token. Uh, and the nice thing about the Swiss regulator is you can get a straight answer to a straight question, and probably in writing. The second part is the technology. Uh, we're firm believers that uh, the technology needs to be, again, scalable, um, largely open source, but with an element of control. I don't think we can divorce ourselves from things like KYC, AML, uh, interdiction, uh, chain of custody, um, and we need it to be fast and we need it to be cheap. And accordingly, we're using 
um, a Bitcoin federated sidechain, uh, which is a semi-private blockchain, which actually has the control uh, and the visibility that we need for compliance reasons, but also benefits from the security of the whole Bitcoin network because we peg uh, our blockchain back to the Bitcoin blockchain. And then finally, uh, third pillar is a go-to-market strategy. And our go-to-market strategy there is really across three different vectors. One, a out-of-the-box national currency for a nation that perhaps has a weak uh, home currency, and that could be uh, Argentina, for example. We have a, a lot of interest from uh, for that use case uh, in Argentina. Uh, secondly, we think there is a very interesting prospect for people who have to now been traditional ETF holders, and the main rationale there is that when you buy DGLD, which is a digital depository receipt for allocated gold, there are no middlemen, no exchanges, no pricing agents, no brokers between you and your gold. This gold token is redeemable for physical gold on demand. Um, and then finally, um, we think it's a strong competitor for Tether. And Tether, as you know, uh, Gary, is um, a very widely used and very large um, but problem-plagued instrument. Uh, what Tether offers is bulk transfer of assets across the crypto ecosystem and a hiding place for uh, vol from volatility when you want to get out of volatility periods in crypto and get into a stable coin. So it's pegged to the, it's, the dollars it's, for our well, um, listeners who won't be it's fully pegged as an open uh, question. Uh, uh, yeah, um, I mean, as you, know, as you know, there are issues with the New York Attorney General around that and, um, and a bit of a smear campaign going on as well. Um, Tether is a, a sort of necessary evil in the crypto yeah. space, but we think bring, by bringing a, a regulated product uh, and a product with tremendous partners um, to the space um, gives you that that shield of volatility and also um, liquidity across exchanges. Okay, so um, the DGLD um, network has its token, you can own the token, mm -hmm. and sitting behind the token is a bunch of gold, well, a bunch yeah. of gold bullion yeah, I mean, held that, in um, custody in Switzerland. That's, so that's correct. That's pretty safe. That's um, correct. And that sounds like a very good offering in terms of um, yeah. making gold more tradable. Yeah, well, first of all, our partners, our two partners in, in, in DGLD are respectively MKS, uh, which is Switzerland's premier mm. gold uh, storage and fabrication been company. Been 45 years or something? Uh, 40, like 40 years yeah. or so, yeah, I got the, I got the new, so the anniversary jacket for Christmas last year, actually, <laughs> which was nice. Um, and blockchain.com, the world's biggest mm. wallet infrastructure. Yeah. So we have the best partners in the business for that. and. Uh, and indeed, you know, the dilemma that we solve for in DGLD is, on the one hand, you know, most of our predecessors and competitors will be on an open source, rather an open network like ERC-20. Um, Which is the Ethereum. The Ethereum standard. The, the Ethereum standard, standard correct. And uh, FinCEN uh, came out just this week and said that, um, uh, in, their, in their view, stable coins, whether backed by fiat or commodities, um, do fall within the remit of FinCEN. That means they, in the United States at least, would require a money service business license. Mm. A money service business needs to know a chain of custody. Um, and in an ERC-20 token, you can't do that. So, okay. uh, But on the other hand, we need distribution. And the distribution we get for our for our, our, our blockchain comes through blockchain.com. Yep. So um, how would someone go about buying 
a token of, well, um, what's the minimum you could buy? Is that yeah. Before? I can't remember. No, I mean, we, we, we're going to be launching imminently on our first exchange. Um, we've been doing OTC transactions uh, to this point, and it's very much a... Over the pro, counter. Pro, yeah, over well. the counter, yeah. It's, it's very much sort of pros only at the moment. We've tokenized a little north of $25 million of gold so far. Uh, most of the transactions on the network, I think we did 37 transactions yesterday, were very small test transactions between oh, okay. people who were onboarding with us. Okay. Um, institutions or at the moment it's just institutions yeah and yeah. um, we just just big players but you know within a few days we'll get our first like free market access we'll be on uh, blockchain.com's new exchange the pit it's a high frequency exchange um quite sophisticated marketplace it's new and it's mm -hmm. small but that's going to be our first rollout and at that point you'll be able to buy djld in the smallest increments and pennies worth right um what about liquidity Liquidity, yeah. I mean, the the key. We, we there there are there are a couple of layers to this. Um, first of all, this is an open-ended uh, product, meaning it can expand and contract with the amount of assets that are requested and required. Like a mutual fund. Uh, yeah, unlike GBTC, which is the Bitcoin tracker in New York, you know, yeah. which has this crazy Grayscale. premium Grayscale's product. <clears throat> so we can we have a creation and redemption mechanism. So you can create new tokens by subscribing gold. You can get gold by redeeming tokens, and that can be expanded and contracted as necessary. So, so first of all, there's a mechanism for that. Secondly, you need people that are prepared to do that. We underwrite that from our side on our uh, on our trading business. Um, we have all the API connections to the pit that will enable tight markets 24/7 uh, to be made in gold, uh, and therefore tokens. Um, but we're also so onboarding makers will get a lower fee or they'll be incentivized to. We do. There, there, there are some partner programs to incentivize both people who are authorized participants creating and redeeming and also market makers. Um, there are some programs in place to do that. Mm. Uh, but we're also onboarding some other really high quality market makers. In fact, the same market makers that make markets in our NASDAQ listed exchange traded products will be supporting us on the gold token as well. So I anticipate it'll be a very liquid and, and very tight market spread. Great. Um, DGLD, I just looked up the, um, the ticker accidentally and it came up on NASDAQ, which is a totally is, different product. There is, happens. There is um, an inverse gold. That's, that's right. There, there products. is, and, and we, we, um, we, you know, we, we so have engaged with the trademark authorities on this kind of stuff. Yeah, and, uh, it is sufficiently generic it. name that it won't, uh, it, 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 it can't be trademarked by anybody. But as we go forward with the product, our page rankings and our news, I'm sure it's going to be far more trafficked than the previous yeah, sure. tickers. So I'm sure we'll be, we'll be, we'll be acknowledged soon enough. Yeah. Um, Staying with DGLD, uh, I was looking at um, the wallet setup, mm. um, which I thought was quite straightforward, but yeah. I can imagine for some interactive investor mm. customers, um, it would be uh, something of a barrier to yeah. entry. Yeah. Um, how are we trying to uh, make custody and, and onboarding yeah. more user-friendly well, for the regular person who's not very well educated? Well, maybe that can't be done. It no, 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 no. Again, we were, we were, we were keen to get into the marketplace as soon as our network went live. Um, but we will not see the full feature set in DGLD until we onboard with the blockchain.com wallet, which we anticipate somewhere between Q1 and Q2 next year. Okay. Now, as you know, with the blockchain.com wallet, it is web-based. It's PC-based. Uh, it's iOS and Android based as well. Um, 
blockchain you're scared about losing UFC and so, <laughs> all those well, issues for plague are, for industry at the moment there, there are there are different um, there are different uh, levels to which you can entrust blockchain.com to look after your keys or otherwise there are other custodian solutions in our network through one of our partner companies called Globacap uh, can provide uh, FCA uh, regulated custody of these tokens if one wishes okay. so you can farm that out as right. it were right. Um, and uh, and the more professional people are running their own nodes and running their own own custody within their own nodes. So there are various flavors, but for the mass market, um, I, I think blockchain.com, they have seven years of private key management on, on a very large scale, yeah. and um, they are named partners in this project with us. I think it's the only project they've actually put their name on ever, and uh, I think the experience to to the mass market and the retail investor will be will be very smooth when we get it to market, but it's not there yet, as you yeah, can tell. Yeah. Okay. So um, I got that right. The product will be in front of people next year, early next yeah, year. I anticipate in the Q1 would be my yeah. guess. Okay. Great. Um, anything else we want to say about DGLD? On DGLD, um, what's, the, what's the um, <laughs> what's the response like in the rest of the it's marketplace? Been, it's um, been great. It's uh, been great. We've we've engaged with people like the World Gold Council, um, with the LBMA, um, who have been approached and you know by different yeah. schemes and different projects in this in this area. Um, we've done some onboarding in Switzerland with the top institutions uh, who have chosen our our, our our coin and our token over other options and they declined other options in the past. So um, again, at the moment, we're only we're only engaging uh, with the biggest and the most significant of of bodies, and, uh, and we're getting a really positive feedback on the regulatory structure, the technical structure, and the go-to-market plan as well. Great. Um, just going back to some of your. Um Previous products, mm -hmm. um, your exchange traded notes. Yeah, um, the FCA, the Financial Conduct Authority here yeah. in the UK, um, has uh, launched and has now completed, I believe, mm -hmm. a consultation yeah. on whether or not there should be any crypto exchange yeah. traded products in front of retail yeah. investors, um, and they seem to be minded to ban any such products, uh, which was something was surprise because we thought, yeah, they're going to go for the. Um, Con uh, contracts for different yeah. products, which a lot of um, FX brokers and so on yeah. use for crypto. But um, the ETN going after them was a bit of a surprise in the sense that why can't people make a work out for themselves whether they want to take the risk of buying an ETN in crypto? So um, I noticed what CoinShares, being one of the biggest players, I guess, in the, in that space, um, has been pushing back um, and trying to um, influence. The consultation period. So, how has that gone, and what do you think the outcome is likely to be? Yeah, you are correct, Gary. Um, the extension of uh, consultation paper CP nineteen twenty two to ETNs um, mm. was out of context with the work the FCA had done up until that point. And I give the FCA a lot of credit to engage with the industry. They engaged back in twenty seventeen, and there's been a bunch of consultation that culminated in the Cryptrax and Task Force report um, that went before um, Treasury um, back in October of 2018. And there were, while, I, while I wasn't a big fan of that process and I didn't think that the witness uh, cohort was particularly strong, uh, and more importantly I didn't think the comments that were selected were even the right comments from an otherwise weak cohort, mm. um, I, one couldn't de facto disagree with the concept that investors should be informed, uh, yeah. and that people should be mindful of volatility, uh, and that bad actors should be removed. Yes. There was nothing wrong with those yes. conclusions. 
What was surprising was that the translation uh, from the Crypto Action Task Force report into CP1922 all of a sudden captured not just CFDs, but also futures and mm. ETNs. And now for your audience, um, let's just think about what an ETN actually is. First of all, it's an unleveraged product, totally unleveraged. So it doesn't carry any of the same uh, magnification, if you like, of volatility that futures yeah. or especially ETNs have. I've heard people describe them as debt securities. Is that quite right? Uh, that is a technical. That is technically <coughs> true um, because what one actually lists is a just a tiny face value of debt. But the important thing is that instrument's got a linked to another asset. Okay. That's how all ETPs work in London, at least, in Sweden. So, um, so. The first thing that you know we, we qualify ourselves with as an ETN issue is we have an EU prospectus directive compliant prospectus. And that means that we disclose all the information and audited financials for the issuer, the, the identification of all the directors, copious risk warnings, copious um, legal um, uh, interpretation. And then because all that becomes very complicated, we also issue under MIFID uh, what's That's called exactly. a KID, a key information yep. document. Yep. And a key information document summarizes what's in the prospectus for in plain English. So those risks, those volatilities, those expected returns, both positive and negative, are on a single page in 20 or 30 different languages, just so you don't miss somebody in plain sight. Secondly, we as an issuer have to conform with the warrants and certificates listing rules on NASDAQ. They in turn take care of things like market abuse, insider trading, flow of information, disaster recovery, um, and a vast array of things which similarly protect the investor against shortcomings in the marketplace. And then finally, even then, that product is not yet accessible. It is then has to go through some kind of a platform, um, like a Fidelity or a Hargreaves Lansdowne or any one of any interactive brokers. Um, who, if you've ever opened up one of those accounts, will ask you about what your investment objectives, your experience, the amount of capital you have, the amount of risk you want to take. So there are multiple, multiple layers of protection. And it is very surprising to me that, um, um, that in the, given the lack of leverage and the copious disclosure, uh, that such products would, would be um, banned. And that is kind yeah. of where, what we're looking at. And it's in stark contrast, you might say, to the regulatory regulatory light approach to Mr. Woodford, perhaps, um, well, I given think the in, money that's been lost by retail well, in, in that in, direction. Un unfortunately, and the crypto industry is partly to blame for this, you know, we are our own worst enemy when it yeah. comes to PR. And, uh, and unfortunately, I think there is an element uh, in the environment at the moment whereby um, crypto is a soft target. And if there have been transgressions, not just with Woodford, but with Patisserie Valerie and with pension scams, uh, we are an obvious place to sort of clean things up, but yeah. unfortunately we're, we're cleaning up the good guys uh, and not the bad guys. And of course the, the consequence of banning um, have properly regulated and disclosed products to people who actually want crypto is they end up on a Chinese exchange with no risk disclosure, Indeed, yeah. no insider trading yeah. uh, provisions, um, uh, no information, no financials, and you take a shot. And, and it's baffling yeah. to me that people, as you say, you know, we don't live in an any state. Um, the risks are totally disclosed. People should be able to buy these things, uh, and, and and I think the harm uh, to investors is 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 very very low. Unlike you know what the FCA claim, the harm of not doing this can be very very high. Yeah. So um, I noticed that in the states, in the US, the um, the Bitwise ETF that had previously been rejected by the SEC, um, they're now looking at it again. Is that? 
perhaps because they are starting to get a little bit worried that if they um, clamp down too heavily, they're going to squeeze out innovation and they're going to squeeze out a lot of products and a lot of money and it's going to go well, somewhere else. And that could be happening in the UK also. You know, we, 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 work in a, we work in a number of different regulatory regimes around the world. And I'll tell you this for sure. Um, the, you know, in the United States, there is a complex regulatory structure, but there is no concept that crypto is bad. Crypto investors should be protected against and informed, and crypto market participants should play by the rules. But there is no, there is no, there's no view on the value of crypto assets in America by the regulators. Uh, the FCA has made it quite clear they think crypto is a worthless investment, and they are picking winners uh, in a marketplace, which is very unusual. Yeah. In Switzerland, um, the government is 100% behind uh, the crypto industry. In fact, I just came from a meeting with a new crypto bank that has a fully-fledged Swiss banking license for the purposes of doing crypto. And so, unfortunately, uh, the UK, for the, you know, for the sake of protecting I don't know who, um, are, are falling behind the United States, behind the Nordic countries, and behind Switzerland. Yeah. And uh, I know you had an ETN, or maybe you still do have an ETN products in the state, the Bitcoin one at least, which um, we talked about this earlier, but uh, on, on another interview, yeah. um, which was suspended. Well, yeah. That's what was said yeah. in the press. But I yeah. believe you, you, you say that it actually technically wasn't suspended. It's just sort of fallen it's, into abeyance because they haven't done anything to look, um, we, allow we, you to trade there, it again. There is there is a there is an explicit um, set of actions um, in the United States for people who fall you know foul of, of the regulatory perimeter. Um, but as we found out um, with CXBTF um, or the partners that the people that listed CXBTF or was Canaccord actually in America, in America, in America mm -hmm. there is an implied enforcement. Um, now, trust me, had we had we actually violated any rules or had Canaccord violated any rules, mm -hmm. I can assure you there would be an investigation or a fine of some kind, you know, coming our way, and, and, and we at least at CoinShares uh, are, are completely uh, exempt from any of that, or not, you know, we just haven't had any of that. But um, I think what the SEC um, uh, implied mm. was that they didn't want the kind of unfettered retail access to crypto in, you know, in that product that you might otherwise have got. Then, as you were confusing you, it with an ETF. Yeah, there was some mislabeling by some of the market makers, again, mm. totally beyond our control. Um, but that being said, you know, GBTC yesterday filed as a reporting company under, yeah, under the SEC, yeah. um, the 34 Act, I think. And. And so now, you know, you have... What does that actually mean? It, it, that, it, that they are forced to report at certain points well, it, well, in the year? They're, they're doing it because that product has become so popular. Mm. Uh, I believe it is 2,000 individual accredited investors or 500 unaccredited investors. And once you get past that threshold, you have to start filing more regular accounts and have stronger audits and all this kind of stuff. So, yeah. you know, well, they filed in response to the popularity of the product and the product trades you know, 100, so 200, 300 million a day. Yeah. So, you know, the fact is, again, going back to the UCA stance, in America right now, you can buy in your Fidelity retirement account a Bitcoin tracker like GBTC, or you can buy a futures contract on Bitcoin on the CME without any problem whatsoever. Uh, the in, in London, come January, as things currently stand, you won't be able to do either of those things. Mm. That could be a problem for the industry in terms of... Uh, Look, the, the, the regulated the, entities the crypto, that are trying the, to open up the space to the, the, the mainstream is just the, the uh, crypto, crazy. The crypto industry, I, I've <clears> never <throat> seen an industry as global as the crypto industry. It, 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 it's in almost every country in the world now. And so the actual locus of a, a person or a company 
um, you know, doesn't really matter. Uh, you know, we, we have offices in other countries around the world. Um, people who don't have offices in other countries sure. are very mobile. Mm. Um, and so, you know, the, the geographical isolation doesn't have much effect uh, in the regulatory uh, world. Yeah. Yeah. And that's and that's what I think we'll, we'll see. And I think, you know, the FCA claims to support people who play by the rules. No one plays by a bigger rule set than we do. We're big, we're strong, we're well financed. But um, the messaging to smaller companies if we cannot exist within this framework, how the hell are they going to exist within that framework? Yeah. And I think the messaging, you know, beyond our own interests, and I've talked to a number of tech entrepreneurs in London about this recently, and, uh, and our situation, which is very public at the moment, is very worrying to them. Yeah. Okay, thanks for that. Um, Danny, um, stepping back from your products, yeah. and speaking more generally yeah. about what's going on in, in the industry, and Libra. Speaking of the yep. global approach, I think the regulators yep. are scared stiff that Facebook was about to launch, yep. although they, Facebook will say it's not their product, it's a part of a consortium, an association, um, about to launch global money, um, which woke up a lot of people in the Bank of England and the, the Fed and elsewhere and in governments. What's your position on Libra? Because uh, yeah. I mean, the market seems to have decided that it's not going to happen, and that might be one of the reasons Bitcoin's going back down because mm -hmm. a lot of new money started coming in on the basis. Wow, Facebook's going crypto. Mm -hmm. um, where's that going to end up? Will they get something out of the door, right. Facebook, or will this be the opening of antitrust activity by um, a new Democrat president, and they're going to this is going to be another part of uh, the clampdown on the mm -hmm. Googles and Facebooks? Okay, big big subject area, but let's let's take it right from the very top. Crypto is about changing the financial system from a hob and spoke system to a network system. At the moment, the way the financial system works is we have a small number of massive, too big to fail companies, banks, brokers, insurance people, and so on at the middle of a system that everybody connects to. And I'll offer central banks in, yeah, that, in that, in that, or yeah. the hubs. Um, the, the concept of crypto finance is that assets become digitized and fractionalized and widely distributed across the network where you, Gary, could have 300 counterparts that you are dealing with directly, whether they're exchanging equity with you or currencies with you or other assets across a crypto network. There's two fundamentally different models. The way that the second model works is everybody has a wallet, right? And in that wallet can go your digital assets, your identity, your wine, your property, your you know, all sorts of things. So, the the Bitcoin crypto industry, if you take blockchain.com statistics and you, you interpolate that going forward, maybe there's a hundred million crypto wallets in the world. And it's, it's a lot of people don't realize this and it's something I found out and I found people sound surprised when I say it, but Facebook went from 100 million users to a billion users over a period of time. And that period of time was actually 10 years. It was much longer than people expected it to take. That 100 mm. million to a billion was about 10 years. Excluding the faker accounts. That's all in the FT yesterday, was it? Yesterday in the FT. Yeah, who knows? It seems to be an increasing may have, problem. May have been longer. Facebook, but anyway. In yeah. fact. But, so the, the, the stir that Libra caused was fundamentally because you know, this digital, dig, new digital system of finance as powered by wallets, you could, you could jump forward from that 100 million to two and a half billion, in theory, immediately. Yeah. And, you know, in that context, whether it's Libra coin or any other kind of coin, the fact that you'd expose two and a half billion people to a digital wallet um, is very, very transformative. So in that sense, it was a, uh, a quite a, quite a turning point 
in the history of crypto. Um, the trace maybe Facebook didn't do enough of their um, well the now, free work um, softening up the regulators before they actually well tried the, to launch the the um, the advent of this prospect which implies some less control for central banks mm. and more control for two and a half billion wallet holders did come as a big surprise I think to uh, the Congress uh, in the United States. And the, the purveyor of that message, Facebook, not probably the best company to be the purveyor of that message. And then finally, um, I think Facebook made a very poor choice in terms of the structure of their product. Mm -hmm. Now, if you compare- the exchange rate risk if outside you, of strong well, economies. What, what I'm saying, well, I'm, I'm saying something very technical <clears throat> here actually, which is if you look at DGLD, what we do is keep gold in an allocated form associated with individual identified people's wallets and when you do that that's essentially your property now when you start pooling it it comes under fund legislation when you start trading it it becomes under MIFID legislation yeah. when you start leveraging it it comes under other legislation what Facebook did was they created a product that had so many underlying parts and they were connected. It's like an ETF and stuff. Like, it's like the, the world's most complicated ETF. Yeah. And then you want to launch it in 50 countries at the same time. It is a regulatory dog's breakfast mm. that cannot be solved. I would have advised David Marcus to launch our coin. Launch a coin that is outside the regulatory perimeter, that is actually your property, but serves perfectly well as money, like a gold standard 2.0 and issue that, like step one, go baby steps. Mm. But unfortunately, they were trying to create the, the space shuttle when the rest of us are trying to put four wheels on a car. Yeah. And, uh, and so it was both the preamble to the message, the message, the, the person who delivered the message, and the substance of the message. Apart from that, it was a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> so do you think maybe they're pulling back with uh, the recent launch of uh, Facebook Pay, which is going down the, um, the mainstream route <laughs> Look, uh, and trying to do a PayPal. There's any number of regular payment systems, and I call all of those things lipstick on banks. Uh, it just doesn't change the architecture of the financial system in the way a distributed financial system does when compared with a hub-and-spoke system. Yeah. So do you think the kind of the whack-a-mole situation will still um, pertain in the sense of whatever happens in the US or Europe? Someone somewhere will have some form of Libra when it starts to gain, well, gain traction. Well, I, I don't think there's, the, uh, I don't think there's any doubt that elsewhere. we'll see in the next 12 to, to 12 to 18 months, let's say, I think it's almost certain you'll see both a Chinese national coin and a Swiss yeah. national coin. And that is going to wake a lot of people up. There's even rumors recently, um, although it's Max Kaiser, and I'm not sure how credible he is from a day-to-day -day basis, but yes. but Max seems to think uh, from his sources that this Chinese coin will be backed by gold as well. And, you know, 40% of all transactions in the world are, are funded in dollars. Um, you know, this this doesn't really work for the Chinese. And so um, it would make it would make a lot of sense to me uh, to see them do something. And mm -hmm. they are less constrained. Uh, they're very good at the technology. They have a lot of the infrastructure through all the big mining companies and exchanges in China. And to, see, to hear Xi Jinping last week yeah. talking about committing China to the distributed ledger system, uh, I think that message should be listened to very carefully, both yeah. in the United States and the United Kingdom. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so um, what do you think China will get out of it? Are they trying to make the renminbi 
into a competitor to the dollar? No, is, no is, doubt. Is that a project that's going to take decades as opposed to all using the crypto route? Will it take more like years? I, 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 I don't know. I mean, I have no inside information on what the form of the Chinese coin will be. But if they can put a globally accepted um, stable coin into the marketplace and start using it for their own trade and you know in the countries in which they have lots of infrastructure and lots of people outside of China as well um, it is it, you know that, that means less demand for dollars um, yeah. so I, I, I fully expect that will happen okay so um, do you hold much store by some in the crypto space who would see the, um, the birth of stable coins be it from the state or from a private entity like Facebook and its partners um, as a bastardization of what crypto is really meant to be about. Mm. It's uh, killing the decentralization that was meant to be at the heart of uh, a blockchain with these new permissioned vehicles. Look, I think the, I think the, the technological backbone of a stable coin uh, has yet to be identified, the, the, the winning one. Uh, if you look back through uh, some obvious examples in computing, I think a lot of us mm would be using iOS instead of Windows if iOS had only happened before Windows in a, in a meaningful way. So something about technology, which means that it's not necessarily the best, it's usually the first um, that gets there. Yeah. And, and I think what we're going to see um, is we're at that inflection point now where we're going to see not just currencies and commodities, but many other assets railed on crypto networks. And we're going to start to see assets build on those networks. And I think there will be a concentration and a, a sort of a rationalization. And I think people will coalesce around the, uh, the techniques that, that work the best. And I suspect, they, I suspect they will not be completely open networks like ELC20. I think that's too much of a leap forwards. In a, just in a I'd like it to be, but it's just practically not going to be. Mm. Uh, I think it'll be networks which have large infrastructure, so things that were either based on Bitcoin or Ethereum was one of the big networks right now, um, networks which maintain a strong community of developers uh, and have give a lot of open source access, so i.e. not quorum, um, uh, and um, and ones which you know have some consideration around environmental concerns and, and all the stuff that you know we've issued some research on on, on, on the sort of the, the environmental impact of Bitcoin recently, which is surprising, um, surprisingly good, and so uh, and it will be some you know some blend of those things, and, mm -hmm. and then I think people will coalesce around that. So it will be proof of stake. Do you see that as a viable alternative going forward to Bitcoin's proof of work approach and the I, I, have a hard time, I have a little bit of a hard time mm. rationalizing in my brain how you get to this decentralized mm. structure in the financial system if you do have um, a, a very concentrated proof of stake mm. system. And most proof of stake systems have proved to be pretty concentrated so yeah, far. Indeed. The power. So, why is Ethereum still going down that road, or aren't they? It's a little uh, bit confusing. I think they say Ethereum, they made a decision to go that way, but I still hear Vitalik Buterin saying other things. I, I think, you know, when I started in crypto, Bitcoin was literally the only game mm. in town. And uh, at the peak in 2017, 2018, we had 5,000 cryptos, and uh, it was all about, oh, there's no constraint of supply, and uh, we can all do our own one. And, and Bitcoin dominance went, so went from 100% down to about 20%, and it's now back up to 65 or 70%. Um, 
Uh, and it seems to me um, that the proof in the pudding here is is what Bitcoin's doing. It it, it doesn't have the same uh, issues and the same um, confusing governance as as Ethereum does. It's almost better with no governance, mm. uh, and it seems to be uh, continuing to grow in strength. So I actually believe that the co the coalescing that I talked about will be around something close to Bitcoin. Okay, you don't have any worries about Bitcoin being um, concentrate the mining being concentrated in places like. China. And well, the I, States is now talking about taking blockchain more seriously and the front page of the biggest news agency in the world, Xinhua, if I pronounce that correctly, had Bitcoin on the front page as the um, first successful use case of blockchain. Um, I, I think people I think people underestimate the importance of um, individual miners within mining pools. Now, when you talk about China, you know, you talk about um, significant pools together, but those pools themselves are usually made up of a, a large number of miners underneath them. Um, I haven't studied that recently, but at times when they're, certainly when people were looking for market share, relatively small changes in the economics that pool operators offer their miners have quite magnified impact on on which pools they then go and, um, and and subscribe to, so I still think that the, that the concentration in mining is sort of overstated on the basis that there's not much loyalty in the individual miners underneath the hood. So I'm not too worried about that sort of stuff. Okay, great. Um, let's move on to the outlook for Bitcoin. Mm. I know people would like to get price predictions. I think we've just mm. come under eight thousand today. Um, when Libra got launched, there was talk of we're going to be at 20,000 mm. by Christmas. That hasn't quite happened. Yeah. Uh, a bit of a fool's errand trying to make a price prediction on Bitcoin, but are you going to have a stab? Or yeah. Do you have a I mean, I'll give you. I'll give you. With halving and stuff next year. Yeah. Um, look, there, there are various uh, ways to evaluate um, Bitcoin, and probably the most common one is sort of the volume of transactions that are happening and, and, and so on. Um, and, and if I look at the sort of real-time numbers right now, um, you can go to a site like biketree.com and you can, you can see the, the kind of graphics and the historical data and, and on this kind of stuff. Um, compared to the volume of transactions going through the network right now, um, Bitcoin's probably a little overvalued, uh, maybe by 1000 or $1,500. Um, but that's not necessarily you know, all to do now, that's not that's not the only thing going yeah, on sure. when it comes to Bitcoin. Uh, the halving, I think, does have an impact. It, it amazed me in the last halving, and even the halving before that, uh, if I'm right, two before it. And that's the uh, halving block rewards for people. That it's essentially that, it's about essentially here, that, that, the, the um, halving in supply yeah. of Bitcoin. Um, you know, Bitcoin. Uh, if Bitcoin is stable, then by definition, new money is buying all the bitcoins being minted. I mean, that's just a definite an economic definition. And so, when you cut the supply fifty percent, I'm a commodities trader. You cut the supply fifty percent of anything. Look at what we had in ABCAC and Saudi Arabia when it was hit by the missiles the other day. You know, that that cut eight percent out of the world's production. The price of oil went up thirty percent. So uh, it's a big it's a big chunk, and yeah. uh, and it somehow doesn't get discounted ahead of time. So mm. I think that's a positive. But for me, um, the the most positive thing about Bitcoin going forward is going to be as we see more assets like DLG, like real estate, like securities um, being transported on blockchains, and people, and especially blockchains that use Bitcoin's infrastructure as a backbone, like ours does. Uh, I think that it's the actual production of these new products that will bring the activity back and the confidence back in Bitcoin. 
Uh, and I think twenty, I think twenty twenty, um, slowly but surely, we're going to see some really good, real world deployments like ours and others uh, onto these networks to give it some some real you know real world meaning. And I think that you know we're talking about new technology that makes our lives better. But between 2017, when the price peaked, and now, we haven't seen a lot of production in that in that in Indeed, that area. Yeah. But I think now we're at the verge, we're at the inflection point where you'll start to, and I think that changes the narrative for the better. Great. Thank you very much, Danny, for coming in to speak to our interactive investor audience. My pleasure, and Gary. Good Thank luck you. with the DGLD product. Thank you. We will be launching for the little folks anyway um, early next year. That's right. In the first quarter, did you say? End of the first quarter. End of, end of the first quarter. Great.